Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Virago Podcast, a monthly celebration of books, reading, and writing, brought to you by Virago Press, the international publisher of books by women. I'm Sarah Savitt, publisher of Virago, and I'm here with Julia Bueno, who recently published her first book called The Brink of Being, talking about miscarriage. So thank you so much, Julia, for coming in. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. So I just wanted to first ask you, can you tell us briefly what your book is about and and why you wanted to write it? Yeah, my my book um, is about the experience of miscarriage, which um, is a word that I have come to know so well, covers a broad range of experience. So um, I think it needed a, a book to prize open, but it's an experience that a lot of people don't know about. Why I came to to, to write it was really um, to do with my own personal experience. Um, about 17 years ago, I had my first miscarriage. And since that time, I've been thinking long and hard about, about it. And I went on to have um, uh, three more miscarriages as well as um, two living children. Um, the, my first miscarriage had a profound impact on on me, um, both personally and professionally. And um, while kind of dealing with with that, I also went on to uh, support other women through the process. And and eventually I trained as a psychotherapist, specialising and working with women um, who've experienced pregnancy loss. So over the years, I was thinking a lot about the the topic and its and its um, complicatedness and it's to, the, it's the tenacious taboos around it. But meanwhile, I was working more and more with people, um, women and couples who were asking me about literature. You know, mm-hmm. what 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 can they read and what can they turn to? And I had some suggestions, but. Um, not enough, I think, mm. and I, it was sort of a combination of both where I felt like I had a lot to say on the subject and um, I was waiting for someone to write to write mm. the book. <laughs> um, I'm not suggesting that I've produced the, the perfect answer uh, to all the, everybody's questions, but I think it was a collision of both um, people asking and me just thinking, oh, I've got quite a lot to say. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, and especially often for people's first books, I think often when you ask a writer, why did you, why did you specifically want to write this book specifically? It's often, often people say, it's the book that I wanted to read and I couldn't find mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. yeah, which sounds like maybe that was part of it for you. Yeah, and I'm not sure that I ended up with the book that I had in mind at the beginning, because of course, kind of the process yeah. and the research <laughs> took me in new directions. 
But I certainly w- was itchy to, to sort of put something down because I had, I, yeah, as I said, I think I had a lot to say. And so as, as you've just said, when people, when clients or, or friends asked you for recommendations, you didn't have many books to recommend. And and that certainly actually when the proposal for the book came into me, I you know, was immediately taken by your writing in the subject, but I thought, oh, there must be mm. lots of books out there on this and quickly realized there there weren't. Uh, what, why do you think that is? Why have there been so few books published about miscarriage? Well, I feel like bouncing that back to you <laughs> as a publisher. <laughs> yes, my fault, yeah. <laughs> because um, I don't know. I suspect that there were proposals that, that mm. have landed on publishers' desks in the past that, that have been rejected. And my proposal did go out to lots of publishers and... Um, I'm forever grateful that you took a punt because other publishers d- didn't want to publish it because th- they conveyed a sense of it mm, it being a, t- a bit taboo or a bit difficult to sell or a bit sort of an icky t- top topic. Mm. That's my projection. But um, I think possibly it just reflects the, the, the greater cultural um, discomfort with the topic. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's right, and I think also there's often a problem in you know all kinds of media, not just publishing, but TV or film, mm. where if something hasn't been shown before, or pub- written about before, there's mm. a kind of skepticism. Well, is there really a market for this, or is there readership? Mm. So you have to be more creative, I guess, in proving that mm. there are yeah there are people who are going to want to to read it. And one thing I noticed that that the books that that were out there, there were a couple of um kind of medical more kind of clinical side books but the 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 writing on the kind of experiences of miscarriage i could be wrong on this a lot of them were self-published that yeah Yeah. that that's exactly what i found yeah 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 which is which is fascinating um so to go into the sort of into the more into the book itself um You say, um, I think in the introduction, um, quoting you to yourself here, you say, we still have a long way to go before the anguish of those who've undergone a miscarriage earns settled coordinates on the map of grief. And obviously, I know the entire book explores this question and this, you know, of of why miscarriage is is not um, recognised or settled Mm -hmm. on that map of grief. But can you say a little bit here about why you think miscarriage isn't always even necessarily seen as a loss or a grief? Sure. Um, I I don't think there's a there's a short answer to that. I think it's there are layers that that all um, kind of interweave to that to the response in that. I think in the the first thing that we um, as people kind of find it difficult to wrap our heads around is that there isn't a a body that breathed on earth that we're grieving for. There isn't a life that is sort of intelligible or recognisable. Um, the vast majority of miscarriages happen um, in the first trimester when you might not even know that a woman is expecting. Um, so, you know, it's a sort of unseen, un, un- kind of known quantity. And, that you know, one thing that my book that, that I um, keep coming back to is that miscarriage is sort of fraught with ambiguity and paradox. And I think it puzzles people um, particularly around kind of pinning it, how to pin it, it down. Mm. You know, what does it involve? Is it, is it a legal person? Is it a baby? Is it a child? Is it a, you know, it's sort of in this, this liminal state. Mm. You know, is it a? It, uh, am I talking to a, a, a woman who was a mother or a parent mm. or a father? Mm. Or, and it's that sort of not not knowing how to kind of frame it intellectually that that 
that puzzles people and also kind of provokes, I think, ethical and political pro- um, problems for some people um, around the definitions of, of when life begins. Um, so there's that. But I, I also think there are other reasons, like we, we're pretty bad at facing death and mm-hmm. bad things that happen to us. Nobody wants to think about that happening to them, themselves. Um, and we, as a culture, I don't think we're very good at, at kind of facing, facing those sorts of issues. Um, and then, uh, uh, the sort of historically, this has been going on for so long that I think there's a there's a sort of transfer of um, awkwardness between the kind of bereaved and those around them that people, you know, there's the self perpetuating creation of not, of lack of language and not knowing how to talk about it, and so people who who might want to to not not treat it as a taboo don't know quite how to approach approach a bereaved mm. person the bereaved person might be protecting the other person it just gets sort of past the parcel mm. if that mm. makes sense yeah yeah definitely. so I, I in short i think that that the people's response to miscarriage is personal as well i don't think it's just about i don't think you could sort of say it's one reason um for in my experience, people respond differently for their own set of kind of um, not knowings or or, or discomforts. Mm. And that uh, that was one of the things that I, I loved about you know both the proposal and the finished book is that you you always pay attention to the individual and you say you know every miscarriage will be different for mm. every woman mm. and for some people it will be a lifelong grief and for some people it won't actually and mm. yeah or that might change over time and. Mm. Um, yeah, that felt like a, a real a real strength. I, I wondered, and again, this is I'm asking you to sort of boil down an entire book into one answer, but what's if you could say what's the one thing or a a important thing that sure. you want people to take away once once they've read the book? Well, I guess it's just picking up exactly on the point you just made about the individuality of, of miscarriage and um, as with any kind of grief, there's it's the paradox is yes, it's exquisitely individual, but there are also commonalities. And but to to find out the both the individual and and the and the commonality, I would say I would encourage people to be curious and curious mm-hmm. with warmth and compassion. There's a difference, I think, between compassionate curiosity and sort of idle or aggressive curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, what I really wanted to do in the book is to, although the, it's, the, the title I'm looking at it right now is talking about miscarriage, actually, before we talk, we've got to think. So I really wanted people to think about what it can, it can involve, um, the, the full raft of potentials for women and couples, but also think about what, why is they are discom- mm. uncomfortable with it and why they, they might be blockers to to approaching somebody in the wake of, of of it as i say you know that 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 individuality applies to them too you know if it, is it because they they can't stand the sight of blood or the thinking of mm-hmm. you know the visceral aspects of it or is it because they're really really pro choice and they're really anxious about ascribing personhood to a 6 week pregnancy um so that's yeah a long answer to a question but 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 that curiosity, I, I hope, will will tool people to respond appropriately, which might end up meaning that they they, they don't want to respond to it. They want to swerve mm. it, but at least think about it before. Mm. Yeah, I, I just personally definitely working on this book and talking to you has made me, ha- yeah, has just 
every time, you know, it's, it's obviously because I've been talking about the book to colleagues and to friends and family, you know, it's prompted lots of conversations and, and just that reminder, as you said, to be curious or even mm. just, as you say, just to start with saying, I'm sorry yeah, for your loss. And, and yeah. And tell me about it. I mean, I, just from my experience over the years that, that including my own experiences, that women and couples, they, they want, when after a miscarriage, they need to talk about the whole, the whole experience, the story from the beginning to the end. Whenever I hear a story of a miscarriage, Almost always it begins with, well, we were trying for mm. three months or a year and I took four pregnancy tests or, you know, the, it, it, there's a whole narrative there. Um, and, you know, if you can be curious about, about all of that and listen to that, then that's there's real power in that. Mm. Yeah. Um, thank you. Stay tuned for more from the Virago podcast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Virago podcast. So even, even before the book came out, um, it was receiving really amazing quotes from other writers. Um, so Julia Samuel, who wrote um, Griefworks, called it a much-needed book, illuminating and consoling. Um, Zoe Williams said it was a book of profound insight. Um, Megan O'Connell said intelligent, sensitive, utterly candid. Um, there's been, yeah, really great feedback on Twitter. And um, I've just seen you've got your first Amazon review, which obviously is five stars. Um, oh. And it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, the feedback's been amazing. And uh, yeah, I wondered if you could tell us how, the, some of the feedback that you've had from, you know, journalists or were readers and yeah how that's felt in terms of having your first book out in the world <laughs> well um nerve-wracking having a book out in the world um especially one that's such a sensitive topic and it, it did keep me up at night during the process of just being so concerned to to cover such a broad topic um and, and hit the right note mm. as best i could each time i told a story and there are quite a few stories in there um you know no book can please everybody but but I just was so concerned to upset 
anybody. But uh, so far, so good. And I, I have had some really lovely messages come my way um, by people who have read it and found it um, consoling and and useful and helpful. Mm. And um, so, so far, so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Um, and there, there are quite a few books coming out at the moment to do with um, mental health, women's health, and the, the overlap. So obviously, you know, there's everything from Matt Haig, How to Stay Alive. Um, there been lots of books just about the vagina. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we're becoming more open about talking about taboo subjects, including women's health? And if so, why? Why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, I do. I think we, we do. And, you know, working in mental health myself for all these years, you know, I've seen people used to come see me in therapy 10, 15 years ago in secret. Um, they'd either be kind of fibbing to their partners or their employers and you know, now I've, I've really noticed that, that, that the, you know, the conversations around seeing a therapist are much more mm. kind of spoken about. And, and um, so, yeah, I see that taboo kind of melting away. Um, and, and, so, and, and with that, yeah, w- women's health. And I, I guess it's, I don't know, but I guess that I'm guessing that the Internet and social media has kind of helped advocate for that. And mm. a lot of, you know, there are... Uh, people talking about it and uh, su- supported in talking about it and you know taking steps to because y- you know they're, they're taking the lead from each other so I'm not being very articulate here but I, I, I sort of see it as a product of, of being contrib- contributed to by uh, being um, writing blogging mm. and social media and of course the, the fantastic work of charities let's not forget that mm. there are a lot of cha- uh, charities there advocating for um, women's health and men- mental health I mean there's the, the Eve Appeal does some great stuff and you know the Movember movement and all of that so um, yeah it's a good thing yeah and it's it's really fascinating how you draw on some of the I mean you, you know you go back to peeps but you also draw on YouTube videos and and blogs and sort of yeah online memorials and mm. it, yeah it's you you pick up lots of fascinating stories um, which actually leads to the next um, question because obviously as as you said before the book is very much based on stories and individual experiences so your your own experience but also the you know sort of case studies from from your work as a therapist and then you also did a really huge amount of um, further research and I wondered if you could pick out sort of one or two things that that surprised you as you were doing your research um, I did think long and hard about this and there were, this may sound a bit strange and naive but I guess the one thing that that did surprise me is that um, I think I started the book quite kind of Pollyanna-ish about about where we've come to and comparing my own experience of uh, of how I was cared for and, and responded to after my first miscarriage 17 years ago to where we are now. I've seen such great changes both in hospital care and um, the growth of kind of charities and as we've just been talking about kind of advocacy and I think that we have moved a great way toward um toward understanding and appreciating miscarriage than ever before and but writing the book kind of re-reminded me that actually we still got so far to go um Mm. and I probably sort of slightly deluded myself and it kind of grounded me a bit to realize that that you know that I'm still hearing similar stories to what I heard Mm. 10 15 
20 years ago. Um, and, you know, part of my book also, I, I, I talk about how um, kind of historically how women were treated in hospitals and how women were treated in respect to their pregnancies and um, losses in pregnancy. And this is going back to the sort of 60s, 70s. And yes, we have come on an enormous way, but still the odd story will mirror that. Um, so that was, I suppose, a bit um, humbling or grounding. Mm. Um the, the other thing that uh, surprised me um, really was that, that as you know, the, the book is coming out in America um, in the summer. And um, I, through um, working with a kind of editorial team in America, I came to realise quite how politicised miscarriage is there and can be. And of course, what's going on right now with yeah. uh, recent bills <laughs> yeah. passed in Alabama and Georgia which is terrifying. But, of course, these are conversations that are completely baffling to people I talk to here in the UK. And, in fact, interestingly, you know, when I talk about America, you know, highly intelligent, uh, uh, wise people look at me completely baffling. The paradigms are so different, miscarriage and and abortion here, that they they just don't meet. So that was was quite surprising to kind of wrap my head around Mm. that and having to kind of think about that. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I, I grew up in the States, so I've sort of had both, both yeah. experiences. And yeah, I mean, I think it's something you, you deal with really well in the book. Um, one of the, one of the chapters is about the impact of miscarriage on partners, um, both, both men and women, on, on grandparents, on other family members, on, you know, sort of friends, colleagues. So beyond the woman herself who's, who's had the miscarriage. And, yeah, I wondered why was it important for you to go beyond just the woman's experience, the mother's experience? Um, I suppose through through my kind of clinical work and my support work, you know, I've I've talked to um, primarily partners of of um, women who've miscarried who who I've seen suffer too over the years and can often feel that. You know, their grief is especially disenfranchised within a kind of whole area that is, is disenfranchised, that their voice is particularly silenced. Um, so I was very keen to to include that too. Um, uh, thinking about kind of other family members, I suppose, was sparked through, again, my own personal experience. I know my mother and I write about how my mother was um, very intimately involved with my first pregnancy and actually came to the hospital when I lost my my twins in my first pregnancy I had a late loss and I write about how actually it was her who met my my babies um my my dead babies and when I wasn't able to at the time um and that had a very profound impact on her and she she spoke about it with me for the book um so that that made me think a lot more but also going back to the um the point I made about kind of research into how um, women were treated through pregnancy loss sort of in the generation before me, before the kind of reforms and before bereavement care really kicked into action, that that it, it made me reflect upon, um, uh, you know, women who are now in the position of their daughters miscarrying and not only that, that that's a that's a loss for them, but it, it can often provoke their own earlier losses that were completely buried and not mm-hmm. talked about. Um, 
So, yeah, I was very keen to kind of broaden it out and um, get, again, get people thinking about the potentials, not, you know, not, not for every family, but there may well be a grieving grandmother or a grieving auntie-to-be, or mm. we just don't know. Um, but I really think it's a, it's a possible. Mm. Thank you. And I, uh, I follow you on Instagram, obviously, and uh, you, <laughs> I'm always impressed by how much you're reading. Um, and uh, yeah, you write really well about what books you're, you're loving at the moment. And I wondered, are there any books particularly about uh, maternity, miscarriage, or sort of and or mental health that you might recommend to people listening? Yeah, I mean, go, going back to where we started, uh, thinking about books on miscarriage, um, I, I think when it comes to the, the sort of clinical side of things, you can't really beat uh, Professor Regan, who um, has the leading book out there, which I think has just been updated or is coming out imminently or yeah. is out there already. You know, she's she's definitely the, bees, the, the, the business when it comes to holding your hands through all the kind of testing and the science around there, which is, um, you know, very much a work in progress. Um, John Cohen, who's an American author, he it's a bit dated now, but it's it's a it's a really good read. He's he's written a book called Coming to Term that's again looks into the kind of research um, that that has been done. And he goes and he's a he's a brilliant writer. He goes and meets all the researchers in their labs and chats to them, and um, he's really lively on the page. But there are books in terms of um, sort of finding kind of solace or stories that that that. Um, might resonate. I, there are some that I refer to in in the book itself. I mean, Ariel Levy wrote um, the rules. The rules don't apply. I think, which um, was a, she writes very movingly about her her late miscarriage there. And um, the I, I refer to a wonderful um, poem by Julia Copus um, in a collection of poems called "The World's Two Worlds." smallest humans I think something like that but the poem is called Ghost where she writes about her IVF process and that's where the title of the book The Brink of Being mm. comes from um, which is just an, like, a sort of ex- exquisite reflection on on the kind of waiting and the hope and um, of these these children in her mind um, I don't I think uh, I, I often refer people to kind of fiction um, I don't think anyone can beat Hilary Mantel's mm. um, memoir Giving up the ghost, mm. where she there's quite a few pages she writes about her, the child in, in her mind that she mm. she had for years. It was just so wonderful. And I think a lot of a, a lot of people would um, really relate to that. Um, Julia Lee's Avalanche is another wonderful book, uh, with her um, you know her, her relationship with her childling is so mm. kind of moving. Um, I could go on and on about uh, kind of. Uh, Various sort of uh, yeah fi- fiction around um, that relationship with one's unborn, um, but you know when it comes to maternity and motherhood, I have a bit of a I was thinking about this before I have a bit of a skewed version on that I suppose because a lot of people come to me uh, in my consulting room as mothers who might be kind of grappling with aspects of motherhood, and um, I'm always keen to to uh, kind of normalize distress and to to encourage women to connect with their own instinct and mothering and to 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 build their own confidence so I I don't know anything about parenting books or mothering books I just I'm not interested in them at Mm. all I'm interested in pointing people to to read things that that um might 
build their confidence and encourage them to um, mother in the best way that fits for them rather than being told. So, um, you know, Naomi Stadlin is somebody who I, I, I'll always turn to. She's a, a fellow psychotherapist. She's written a couple of books, Mothers Talking and Mothers Loving or something. Forgive me, I'm useless with the no, no, remembering no. that. People can Google it. But she's she's wonderful at um, just conveying a, a kind of ultimate confidence in in, in women and and mothering and they, they they know best and they can do it she just sits back and observes and mm. just she's very skilled at that and um and M- megan o'connell who, connell who very kindly uh wrote about my book you know her book was fantastic about um kind of normalizing the more tricky aspects of being a mum um and then there are authors fantastic authors like stephanie merritt and rachel cusk who've also been very candid about about the the more difficult aspects of mothering. I mean, I, I, I'm drawn towards all the, the authors who just expose it all and normalise it mm. and make it okay to, to sort of struggle. Mm. Um, and I veer away from books that, that tell people what to do. <laughs> Does that nice, make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that is definitely one of the pleasures of, of your book too, is I feel like you can come away with a, a, a reading list which feels, yeah, very individual and like it's going to cover a lot of a lot of different things. Um, so the final question I wanted to ask, um, as part of the publication for the book, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did a, here at Faraga, we did a charity walk in aid of the Miscarriage Association. And um, yeah, amazingly, I think we've uh, raised over £6,000, which is... Amazing. And with the gift aid, there's, there's will oh, end up being oh, seven and a half. Oh, I was fantastic. told today. Oh, so great. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, really and I, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, which is really great. So we did a 9K walk around, around the Thames. And could you tell us, I know um, you volunteered for them and been a trustee for them. Could you tell us a little bit about what they do and also if you have any idea what if they have any specific plans about yeah. the money that we've raised and what they might do with it. Yeah, well, despite being a kind of relatively very small charity, they 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 pack a punch, and you know, one thing they do is is promote awareness and advocate for for good care for women and understanding and educating, just in the same way that I hope my book does too. Um, but um, Ruth, the national director, is sort of sits on lots of boards, so she's involved with with research. Um, and kind of influential kind of policy making. Um, they also do uh, loads of support work. So I, they have a telephone line and there are support groups around the country um, uh, with scope for more because the demand is there and the groups are getting bigger. But um, And there's also online groups. So, um, yeah, and I, in fact, had this conversation with Ruth this morning, but she's thinking in particular of ring fencing the money that's been raised to boost support you know I, I've been I, I've been helping running a, a support group um, as a sort of result of writing this book I sat in and then I've ended up sort of helping and taking over somebody so um, uh, that group has been growing and growing and growing and we need to recruit more people and we need to get more hire more rooms and things like that so that money we we, we hope will go towards sort of spreading the network of, of support workers out there mm-hmm. Because yeah, the, the 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 list is sadly very long of people who who need it. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. Yeah, and it certainly will make a, a really big difference. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much for coming to talk about the book. And yeah, the book is called The Brink of Being: Talking About Miscarriage, and it's out now. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Virago podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and also leave us a review. It helps other people find the podcast. We'd also love you to be in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or our website, virago.co.uk. Tune in next month for another installment of Books, Feminism, and Conversation from Virago Press, the international publisher of books by women. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.